Sam, sing hallelujah. 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 Can you say lanky guys? No, I can't. Can you say welcome to the word on the hill? Welcome to the word on the hill. And what's your name? Samuel. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Word on the Hill. And this is the Lanky Guys. We are they. <laughs> he is he, and I am I. And we're so stoked that you have uh, <coughs> come together with us today. I, I have to tell you, first of all, you're Father Peter Mousset. Am I? You are. And I'm Scott Powell. And, and now we've introduced ourselves, and now we can move ahead. That's good. Everything I, we have to say. To dude, you. I did that at a funeral, actually, this last, just like yesterday. I was like, hi, everybody. And I talked about all these relationships that I had with the person who had died. And, oh, no. and then somebody came up to me, like, as who literally as I was getting my car, and they were like, what's your name? Oh. And I was like, I was like, did I say it? And she's like, I was listening attentively, and you said nothing. <laughs> and I was like, dude, that's, sorry. <laughs> ah, ah. Oh, well. Well, dude, that's I have to, right. we got a lot of awesome feedback about, uh, the uh doing the lanky guys live lanky guys live man so we're <laughs> gonna do it again for you guys just not today no not today but we're gonna and we're trying to plan all sorts of times and ways that we can do this in front of people because the truth is scott is you're an extrovert i'm i'm an extrovert hiding in an introvert's brain <laughs> i'm a little bit of both yeah you are a little i bit. am by nature, probably an introvert, but if you put me in front of people, I will automatically become extroverted. Ah, and I am an extrovert, <laughs> and if I get alone, I naturally turn into an introvert Interesting. and don't want to see anybody else. Interesting. I'm I like, think I'm the same way. Hmm. Cool. Oh, look at us. Dude, that was, that was Not fun. only are we both lanky. But we are both extroverted introverts. Indeed. I can, I can take it. Dude, I love Myers-Briggs, by the way. Do you? I, I do. I, I like it a lot more than the temperaments. I, think I the distrust temperaments. all personality tests. Because you hate being put in a box. Yeah, which apparently somebody told me is a personality type in itself. I'm the type. I'm the personality type that hates personality tests. Yeah, I, somebody told me that too. Like, I think it's the phlegmatic, which is like basically it's like the loser of all the four temperaments. Like, <laughs> hey, you have no personality, uh, so you're a phlegmatic. I'm definitely not a phlegmatic, though. You're not phlegmatic. If there's anything, I'm not. I don't think I'm a phlegmatic either, but somebody told me I was. Nah, um, but see, we shouldn't even be talking about this because you don't like those. I hate them, and so, so, so man, I feel like I have to talk about them to, to, to disbunk them. Amen. But you like Myers Briggs? See, I just I fundamentally distrust all of them. Well, because dude, it saved it saved my hiney a few times. Yeah, that's fair. Because um, w w what happens is that like sometimes I just think people see the way that I do, and mm -hmm. they really just don't. And they just don't. No, see, I think it's helpful for dealing with yourself. Yes. I think it becomes dangerous when people start to apply it. To, like, oh, look at what a phlegmatic you are. Well, that's what, You're such a melancholic. Well, that's You're exactly what- you such an A-type, whatever. Yeah, that's as soon as you use a personality type- that On somebody else. There's a tone. Mm. Well, this is the thing, is that, is that like, like you know, I think that you, like if, if you don't approach, approach the person as a fundamental- <laughs> If you don't approach the porch as a fundamental <laughs> ministry, come on, dude. You I'm can't sorry. do this to me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know that I- Back on track. You know that my- Okay. If you don't approach a person as an end in themselves, mm. if you're not intrinsically personalistic, and you just want to apply stuff to them, Absolutely. and you're not approaching them as a mystery, yes. then 
um, then a personality type, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't help anybody. I agree. But once you have a box to put somebody in, I think by nature we want to put them in it. That's true because we want things to be comfortable. Comfy. And, 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 and that's why um, Jesus always actually calls us out of that. And e- even with him, because we want to yeah. put Jesus in a box. Actually, that's one of the readings today, isn't it? Isn't sort of, that's, yeah, this is this is what's going on in the gospel today. They're trying to put him in a box. Oh my gosh, they are, they're trying to put him in a box. This is totally applicable to the readings. Well, dude, I'll tell you what. Can I'm you believe gonna, it? I'm going to show you how what I'm talking about here with personality is actually applies to the Galatians. I'm ready. So we have three readings, four readings today. We have Zechariah 12, 10 to 11. We've got Psalm 62 and a bunch of numbers after that. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Galatians three twenty six to twenty nine and Luke nine eighteen to twenty four. So, um, somebody asked us if uh, we could kind of just mention what the readings are beforehand, so that they can kind of look it up. And that is a great idea. I, yeah, because sometimes I'm wondering, like, if you don't read the readings before you listen to our podcast, you're really going to be struggling. Yeah, totally. So, so we encourage you. You know, you can get like iMissile on your iPhone or iPad. Uh, you can go to usccb.org forward slash readings mm-hmm. and click on the day. And I'll tell you what, you're going to get a whole lot more if you if you read them. Yep. You're going to get even more if you meditate on them. If Absolutely. you take a holy hour and you, uh, you just let yourself be um, broken open by the word and let it speak to your heart, when you hear us talk, you'll realize how full of it we really are. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. So don't read anything before you listen to us. Because <laughs> then you'll be really impressed. Absolutely. Well, we have to apologize too. I said a bad well, word. You have to apologize. Well, no, I have because I did bad editing. <laughs> so we both have to apologize. Yeah. So I'm sorry if you were listening last week and you heard me say a vernacular word that was not appropriate for the young audience that we have. And I'm sorry if I didn't edit it out properly because I got distracted. So we love you. We do. And we we promise not to do it again. We do. Totally. Oh, my audience, I am heartily sorry for having (laughs) offended you. And I detest my error Mm, because I dread alienating you from God. (laughs) Jeez. So I promise to avoid every near occasion of sin. Good. Okay. We got we some, have some shout outs. Yeah, oh, we do. Can't forget the shout outs. Dude, a ton. Okay, what do you got? Okay. First one uh, is coming from uh, Carrie Floyd. Nice. Is uh, giving a little bit of a shout out to Monica Butler Ooh. in Berkeley. And uh, she's been listening to us, and it's awesome. And she's uh, so so. Carrie's friend was, uh, I guess, she has high praise for us. Nice. Yeah. So we have high praise for you because absolutely, Monica. Monica, here's to you. Now, Monica, when you're in Berkeley, there's this gal, Cindy, Cindy O'Boyle. She's going to be coming out to you. Oh yeah. And uh, she's totally awesome. She's been hanging out with us here in Boulder. And, totally. Uh, and you two will get along really well. I promise it. So. And I want to give a shout out. This is a shout out from Father Dan Hess out in Ohio. And who's a good friend of mine? I went to college with him. Oh, yeah. He wants to give a shout out to Bob and Ashley Burns, who are some more friends of mine, whose anniversary, whose second wedding anniversary, was this week. Oh. Um, which is really cool. They're out in California and they are awesome. Bob Bob is the master of doing big motion things and strong things. Oh. We would go up to Bob in college and be like, Bob, do a strong thing. And he would like throw a table over his head or something. <laughs> he, just, he does strong things. Dude, that's awesome. We need more guys like that around. We do. So Bob and Ashley, happy anniversary from Dan Hassan, from also from us, Father Dan Hassan. Whoop, whoop. You got more. Oh, I got more. Yeah. Um, I got to give a shout out. Oh, where'd they go? Technology's failing me. Yeah. So I got a shout out for, um, I have a shout out for Stephanie. And Stephanie sent us a message on Facebook. Stephanie is awesome. And she listens to us from wherever she's listening to us from. But she um, 
We love the Catholic stuff you should know, guys. They are good friends of ours. We totally. love the Catholic stuff guys. They are awesome. But apparently Stephanie asked the Catholic guys, Catholic stuff guys, uh-huh. for a shout out, and they did not give her one. So she asked if we could prove that we are cooler than they are. Ooh. So Stephanie, here's Ooh. a shout out. Well, that's a shout out. This, this actually proves that we're less ADD than they are. Is actually really well, what it is. Well, it's it. She sent us that like three weeks ago. <laughs> so, so I don't know if that's true or not. I don't either. Yeah. And oh, and uh, <laughs> I I couldn't ignore this one. We got an email from Catholic Yoda, yeah. and of course we we cannot. We have to give a shout out to Catholic Yoda, who is busy training Catholic Jedi out in wherever he is. I tell you, we are doing. We are not trying. Did you read that one? No. Yoda, Catholic Yoda, I am. Have a Twitter account, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, let's see if we can put the verbs at all of the end of our sentences today. Oh, spectacular it is. <laughs> Enjoying, I am. This Move on, we okay, should. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Done. All so, right, we should we jump readings. in? Yeah, dude, Zechariah. Readings, first one's from Zechariah. A little bit of context on Zechariah, just so people know where we are. Zechariah is one of the 12 minor prophets. So you got the, the books of the prophets, you got the major ones, the ones that everyone's kind of familiar with. So Isaiah, Jeremiah, I don't know, Ezekiel, Daniel, the major prophets. And then there's a whole list of 12 minor ones. Now, Zechariah is one of those, and he, he's kind of tucked into the back of the New Testament. And he, gets, he gets jumped over, but Zechariah is such a profound book. The uh, the twelve minor prophets. If you put them together, I did a class on the on the prophets once back when I worked at the biblical school, and I argued that if you put all the and the prophets are tough to read, they're hard if you go through them, and they're weird and they're obscure, and they're they're usually angry or getting stuff thrown at them or killed or running around naked or it's they dealing with weird. very very specific instances in the culture. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. But if you take all of the prophets and all of their obscurity, and you tie them all together, I think what you get is a big jigsaw puzzle. And if you put this jigsaw puzzle together, you get all of these different pieces of who Jesus Christ is going to be. So Zechariah gives us a particularly uh, profound insight into this. So Zechariah, by the way, when he is writing, Zechariah is writing right after what's called the Babylonian exile. So remember then uh, around 586, Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians. Everyone was hauled off in exile. It was one of the darkest moments for Israel. Zechariah is writing... After that, so they've been allowed to come back home. They've come back to Jerusalem. They've begun to resettle. They're rebuilding the temple. They're rebuilding their houses. But they're kind of wondering, okay, this is this is great. We're back, but our city's trashed. Everything is wrecked. You know, where the presence of God is he even with us anymore? What's 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 going on? Who are we? And Zechariah gives this really beautiful, profound letter about how there is hope on the horizon. It's okay. You're back, and God will. He's going to take care of you, and He's going to He's going to bless you in the future profoundly. And at the tail end of Zechariah in chapter 12, where we get this from, um, here's what it says. It's actually a pretty short reading. It says, thus says the Lord, I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, a spirit of grace and petition, and they shall look upon him who they have pierced and they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. And they shall grieve over him as one grieves a firstborn. It's strange. It talks about this time in the future, in, in the midst of this word of hope, that there is hope God is going to return to us. There's this word in kind of the middle of it that there will be one who we will look at and we will grieve because we've killed him and we've pierced him and he's suffered and we will realize what we've done and we will grieve. And it's, you know, I I can imagine what this would have been like reading it in Zechariah's time or it being Zechariah and hearing this and be like, okay, that... What is that? What are you talking about? You know, and again, hindsight's 20-20 in the prophets. Yeah. If you look back, you're like, oh, this is talking about Jesus. But 
it's kind of it's kind of strange. It uh, in the middle of it, it says on that day the morning in Jerusalem shall be as great as the morning of Had uh, Drimon on the plain of Megiddo. The plain of Megiddo. Um, the word for plain in Hebrew is yeah. a derivative of the word Har. So the plains of Megiddo is literally the word Har Megiddo. Har Megedion. Har Megedon. Oh. Do you remember what happened on the plains of Megiddo in the Old Testament? It's it's it seems like an obscure reference. I think it would have been oh. a big deal for Jews at the time, though. Isn't it that, like there's a world war that takes place, or there there's something? There's, there's a like, war that takes place. There, yeah, yeah. And something happens. Somebody dies. Gosh, I don't remember. So remember King Josiah? Yeah. He's he's where is he? He's either in I think he's in Second Kings somewhere, Second Chronicles, something like that. And in the midst of this period in Israel's history, this is long before the exile and all that. But in, the, in this period of terrible kings, there's just a stream of just awful, horrible, <laughs> you know, blasphemous, uh, idolatrous kings. Sucker, sucker kings. Sucker kings. And there's this guy named Josiah who is, he's like a light in the darkness. He's like, you know, he's, he's, he's probably one of the best kings Israel ever has. And he is holy and he, he tears down all the idols and he calls people to turn back to God. They rediscover the book of Deuteronomy and they're like, oh, crap, we haven't been following any of this stuff. Yeah. And he does all this great stuff. He was very young. And Josiah, as he was very young, was actually cut down in his prime. He was killed on the plains of Megiddo. And when this young, righteous, holy king, son of David, was cut down on the plains of Megiddo, he was in his mid-30s. Oh. So there's this history in the history of Israel of a righteous, holy king who was killed, he was cut down in his prime unjustly in his 30s. So when you hear later on about Revelation, for example, talking about this stuff that's happening in Armageddon, the mm-hmm. plains of Megiddo, yeah. if you're a Jewish person, you're thinking back, oh, Armageddon, Har Megiddo, that's where a 30-year, a 35, 33-year-old righteous, holy king was cut down unjustly. So what's Har- oh, what's Hunter Megiddo talking about? This is Jesus. It's all pointing toward the ultimate righteous holy king who will be cut down in his prime unjustly on the cross. So there's all sorts of really neat ties here. Which then brings us to this thing, which which is actually going to be the the source of tying together for me. And you're yep. gonna, I'm really excited to show you what, what some of the stuff that's on. Uh, the fountain to purify from sins of un- sin and uncleanness. Mm. So the pierced one, there's going to f- come a fountain. Oh. I actually, I actually read right past that. Yeah, on the day there shall be open Whoa. to the house of David's and the inhabitants of Jerusalem the fountain of life. Wow. And the purify from sin and uncleanness. Like, what? Well, where's the fountain coming from, though? That's the one yeah. who's pierced through. Holy cow. Yeah, it's totally Do you see what same. I mean, how these things are like a jigsaw puzzle? All these little pieces that you... All these little pieces. And dude, the fact Super that you cool. said that is like blowing my mind with what I what we got coming because we That's get... so cool. Like, this is the things I always struggle to study the psalm. I mean, we're going to get into this now. And, yeah. And I always struggle to kind of um, understand it. And I actually have to pray the psalms at, like five times a day. And I, I struggle with the psalms. And I'll tell you, I was in my holy hour this morning and I was praying. And I was like, Lord, what am I doing? Why am I praying this psalm? What is this? And um, and th- the thing is, is that the church teaches about, uh, it's called the divine office or the breviary. Yeah. And all the religious and priests around the world make a, a, a promise to pray this five times to seven times a day. Right. And, um, and what is it? It's the prayer of Christ to the Father. Hmm. And... Uh, this is the thing that is is really strange. If I think that I, like, because what happens is they tell you that, that as you're praying these psalms, this is the formation that I received, 
as you're praying the Psalms, you're not praying for yourself. You're praying for the universal church. Right. But I'll tell you, as a priest, there's something as a, as a secular priest, as a, as a diocesan priest. Right. I'm I'm called to live the life of the people around me, and there's there's a certain sense in which I look and people are have they have family lives and they do these things, and then I've got this weird thing where I have to pray five times a day <laughs> these psalms, yeah. and and a lot of times I, I feel isolated in it, and I was like, oh my gosh, no, a, the psalms are the prayer of Jesus to the Father, and that if wow, it, and if if I think that I am not in Jesus, then I don't know what I'm doing. And so after Zechariah, it says, the found to purify from sin and uncleanness. We know that baptism is the entrance into Christ. It says that we have become so bound to Christ that he's our bridegroom. We're we're one, but I think it's even deeper and more mystical than that. So that that when we actually pray and we're praying these Psalms, we're praying in Jesus, uh, like as Jesus to the Father. Wow. And so, awesome. so when you talk about all these prophets and that they're this jigsaw puzzle, yeah. how do we understand who Jesus is? Man, he is way more complex than we could ever understand yeah. and grasp. And, and in some ways, the only way that we can grasp that is by looking around and encountering and experiencing the body of Christ. Yeah. And, then, and then praying in Christ to these Psalms to the Father. Wow. That's a really cool insight. Yeah. That's and you're awesome. going to see how this plays out in the next two um in the next two readings too, after the Psalm. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> so I gave away the kind of the connecting feature for me today. No, that's already. no, I love it. I love it. Well, yeah, we're on the Psalm on, on that note. So the Psalm that we have, Psalm 62 um, says, my soul is thirsting for you. O Lord, my God, Psalm 62. So um, historically in the Jewish tradition, Psalm 60, 62 is one of um, it's the first of actually three Psalms that are associated with prayer at the hour of dawn. So it's one of the psalms that would have been prayed at the at the first hour of the day, first thing in the morning. So there's there's all these references. If you read on to the rest of the psalm, you know, oh my God, uh, oh God, my my God, I rise to you at the break of the day, and things like this, th- this daybreak. But if you read the rest of the psalm, and a lot of the psalms do this, the psalm is actually all in the future tense. Yeah. And so it's all about as the dawn is breaking. I mean, again, think of what's going on in Zechariah. They've just come back home. Things are kind of a mess. They're wondering what's going to happen. Dawn is literally just breaking. And all of the Psalms are putting everything in the future tense, all of the things that God will do. So ultimately, I think this is a Psalm about patience as we wait on the Lord. I mean, think of this. The Psalms, the two the two key, two of the key themes of the Psalms are um, waiting on the Lord and... Uh, Oh, I had a really good insight, and I lost. I had it in my notes. But this, um, oh, sorry. I, I was going to say that the the life of the Psalms, the things that the Psalms are saying. I think you can. Two of the most commonly repeated terms are serving the Lord and waiting for the Lord. Ah. We serve the Lord and we wait for the Lord. And somebody I was reading a commentary, and he was pointing out, isn't it interesting that if you go to a restaurant, what do you call sir? What do you call the person who serves you? Waitress. A waiter or a waitress. So we have this thing in English connecting serve and wait. Oh, which I, I don't know I, etymolo- etymologically. I don't know why that is, but I just thought that was really interesting. So we serve the Lord, and we're waiting for the Lord, and that's what the psalm is all about. There is the dawn is breaking; we can't quite see it yet, but we will wait. We will be patient, and eventually, all these things are going to come to fruition. So this is a psalm. I mean, you can imagine this being prayed by the people in Zechariah's time as they're wondering, as they're you know, the dawn is kind of breaking; it's barely breaking through the clouds. But what, what is this going to look like? So we wait and we serve. It sounds like the day of the resurrection, actually. It does, doesn't it? It sounds like the vigil morning. It totally does. 
And uh, that's beautiful. Galatians. 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 Okay, so this is the thing. <laughs> we okay, we've read this a bunch of times. Yeah. I've read this a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. I should I should include myself in this. And and I was praying over this, and um, and th- if you go to um, Galatians, this is Galatians chapter three, and we're at verse twenty six. Yeah. So I thought, well, I'll just look at my Bible and see what kind of chapter headings, and I'll just read around it because it's always helpful to read around a scripture to oh just say gosh, like, absolutely. what is it saying? It's crucial, I think, and that's <laughs> what we always do on this podcast, don't we? I mean, we yes. always talk about okay, what's before and after. And and this is the thing is is verse nineteen okay. starts and it says, "Why then the law?" Like, oh yeah, this is a great question, Paul. By the way, before you go on, just just can I give it just a, a quick nutshell background on this? Hit me. Here's what's hit going me on. on this, man. So when Paul writes, because remember context is everything. So when Paul is writing this letter, Galatia, remember it's it's a region. It's not one church. It's a bunch of churches in present day Turkey. That's where Galatia was. Turkey. Turkey. But Galatia, so they're dealing with this problem, and Paul, this is one the one letter where Paul is more ticked off than any other letter. It's where he says, oh, stupid Galatians, who has bewitched you? Yeah. But the argument here is, so there, there's presumably, we can deduce that there's people going to the church in Galatia. Paul set up this church. There's people coming in, probably from Jerusalem, and they're saying, wait a second, Paul, when he came here, he lied to you. He didn't give you the whole picture. He's not a legit apostle because he didn't he didn't tell you the whole law. And what he said is you have to believe in Christ. You have to be baptized. You have to do all these things. But we're telling you, if you really want to be, if you want to be really members of the family, then you've got to keep the Old Testament law. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to keep kosher food laws. So, and Paul's trying to dispel this and saying, no, no, no. Some of these things are dispensed now. There's a new covenant. There's a new reality. So because you said that, all of the things that Paul's talking about, you have to understand what he means by the law, because yes. that's what's in dispute here in Galatia. Yes, and and so he so this is why it makes so much sense. It says, "Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions, mm. till the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made." Yeah. Then he goes on and talks about how Abraham. He says uh, Abraham will receive a descendant, and yes. he says, and he sa- he makes a, he makes a specification. He says it's not in the plural, a descendant. Yes, it's singular. It's singular. And th- dude, this is going to be so awesome when we get to the gospel, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's singular in the midst of this. And then and then he says, okay, then then all this stuff is going to happen. And so the law, we get to um, um, number two, verse number 24. So mm-hmm. it says, so that the law was our custodian until yes. Christ came. Ped- we, pedagogos. Ped- is the word. Pedagogos. Exactly. And it's only used like twice. If that. I, I, I think it's only in Galatians. Oh, in Galatians? No, no. In, in the New Testament. I can't think of anything other than Galatians. First Corinthians four fifteen. First Corinthians obviously it's in First Corinthians. It's in I, I, I assumed everyone <laughs> knew that. <laughs> uh, yeah, mm. and, and it's a, it refers to a household slave in mm. Hellenistic society, who basically they're, they're a tutor. They're 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 like a they're a, an um, au pair. Well, kind of. <laughs> nice I just wanted to use au pair because like au come pair. on, somebody said that the other day, Did they and really? I was like I was like I am in Boulder, man. <laughs> I love yeah. this place because somebody just said au pair. Well, it, it, this is the thing about the pedagogue, that which is what it was called, the custodian, whatever, you, however you translate it. It's a household slave, and most families had this, at least wealthy families. But it's not just a tutor. It wasn't just a teacher. I mean, it was literally the person who got your kid out of bed in the morning, who tied their shoes, who brushed their teeth for them. Who, and disciplined them when they didn't brush their teeth. Right, and would sit next to them at school and you know, jab them in the ribs, and they misspoke. I mean, they were right. They stuck to them like glue. 
not just teaching, but literally doing, walking through everything with them. Do you know that when I was in seminary, my room was so messy Uh-oh. that the rector um, sent the 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 uh, the gal who took care of all the priests to my room every day to give him a report if my room was clean or really? not. Really? Yeah. So I literally had a custodian <laughs> in seminary to, to teach wow. me to keep my room clean, and uh, and that's now my archbishop. You oh, <laughs> dude, <laughs> life is oh, is interesting, life isn't is it? Interesting. Yeah. Your room is pretty clean. I can see it from here. Thanks. Yeah. There's okay. just there's like a little bit. Thanks. Yeah. I I just have to put some messy clothes into the hamper and then you I'm do good. Got to do. Um, but okay, sorry. So so this is the thing: is that the law was our custodian mm. until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith, mm. so that we. Uh, the, one of the things I, I like to think about when we when Paul's talking about faith and law, yeah, is. Um, the same thing that com- people complain about Catholics about. Yeah. They yeah. they say, Catholics, oh, you think that you're just going to go to Mass on Sunday right. and you're just going to confess your sins if you like on occasion and and you can just do all these extra things and then go do whatever you want right. and then and you're going to be just fine. Yeah. And that's living out of that's living. And a lot of Catholics have lived that way. A lot of Catholics have lived that way, and so the the um and and it's a, it's actually good to us to accuse ourselves to yeah. say, no, do I have faith in Jesus? Right. Like, do right. am, am I actually living this out of the heart? Right. And then because then now we get into the reading, and it says, through faith you are children of God in Christ Jesus. Yes. You were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourself with Christ. Oh. Well, like. Literally putting on somebody's clothes. I work in campus ministry, and I'll tell you, when a girl is wearing some guy's sweatshirt, it's that's intense. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. That's. I like, remember in middle school when a girl wore my hat, wore my baseball hat, and I was like, "This is it, man. I mean, this is." It, it was huge. It was huge because it's like this. this then huge... she wore some other guy's hat the next day. Oh, I was so mad. Oh, dude, that like stings, dude. I was you just, so mad. You got middle school girled. I got middle school girl big time. <laughs> no, but it's a big deal. Yeah, dude. So then, so then Paul goes on and he says, um, "Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to pull out distinctions." So he's he's just it, like this is the thing is, yeah. is is what he's saying. He he's trying to get at the heart of what the Galatians are are making so distinct about themselves where yep. they're placing all their identity. Yeah. And yeah, he says yeah. he says no your identity is in Christ Jesus and that's where you have to have faith is that you've been you have put on Christ. Yeah. You are identified with Christ. Yes. And now I have to jump to the gospel. You got you got to let me do this. Can I say one thing first that's not going to take away yeah, anything yeah, totally, from what you've totally. said? Totally. Talk do it. Because Paul is making these distinctions, you know, about neither Jew nor Greek, all the, all these things. It's it's this all encompassing one last thing on Zechariah that I forgot to mention at the very beginning. If you keep reading two chapters on in Zechariah, what Zechariah is going to eventually say, so Jerusalem is going to have all these things. We're going to rebuild the temple. There's going to be this one who's pierced. We're going to grieve. And eventually, Zechariah says, but eventually all of the nations will flock to Jerusalem, Jew and Greek and Gentile and everyone else. So Zechariah is setting you up for these oh, barriers yeah. to be knocked down. And and then it, and then and then also we're set up with um, Zechariah because he says you belong to Christ, mm-hmm. you are Abraham's descendant, mm-hmm. heir to the promise. Yeah. So so this is the thing is is we're talking singular. Yes. You are Abraham's descendant if you believe in Jesus. Oh, Christ. I see. I see what you're saying. So now we jump to uh, Luke Ooh. nine eighteen. Jesus is praying in solitude, and he, they say who and and Jesus turns to him. He comes out of his prayer. And what uh, this is the thing is I do like post communion meditations every once in a while, and I'm going to share with what my what my prayer is out of this post communion meditation, and and so Jesus is, is evidencing what his prayer is to the Father by what he says. 
He says, who do the crowds say that I am? Mm. What is Jesus meditating on? He's meditating on identity. He is actually looking at the father and he's saying to himself, who are you? Who am I? And, and he's allowing himself to be before the father and the father mm. to be with him. Mm. And, and so then, so then his, so then he kind of comes out of this and, and I'd imagine the kind of the next thought in his head was like, I know who I am before you, father. I am the heir to the promise. I am all these things that have been spoken about in scripture. I understand clearly who I am and, and, and his desire in his heart is obviously to have the people around him know who he is. Yeah. Thus having them know who they are. Yeah. And so he says, who do people say that I am? Oh, because the descendant. Yes. I see right. I see where you're going. And then then they end up in the jigsaw puzzle, like what yep. you were talking yes. about. They say, gosh, they're trying to piece together something because yes. they're like, they're like, okay, you have the spirit of of Elijah. And and like Herod was talking a little bit earlier in right. Luke. He's like, Oh, well, he's got the spirit of John the Baptist, and all these people are right. trying to figure out this man is coming in something that is like so profoundly familiar and at the same time so profoundly um uh, knew that it's it's hard to actually make distinction between the two. Hi, everybody. Oh man, the the family's coming right is when my, we're in. Is it my son? Yeah, yeah, it's your son. But 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 uh, it, w- 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 yeah, we're good. Okay, we're close. We're close. We're so close. So this is the thing: is that Jesus goes and then he says, um, um, and then, then he he goes and then he asks Peter, "Who are you?" And he yeah. says, "I am this. I am what everything has been pointing to." Yeah, and uh. And then, he, and then he says, do I don't tell anybody because they're going to react to me improperly because they're going to have all these imaginings of who I really am. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. yeah you, there, there's something turning in your brain. Well, I have a couple of thoughts. I mean, th- this, is, this is such a big question. Why does he, Jesus tell them not to tell anybody? Because here's, here's the problem. Eventually, he will tell them to tell everyone. Eventually, everybody will know. Yes. But not yet. And I... I mean, there's a couple of things going on. I mean, you can you can follow the trajectory throughout the Gospels, and kind of depending on on geography, he tells people either tell everybody who I am or tell nobody who I am. And I think the reason he does so so here's here's what I'll say about this. Remember when the Passion of the Christ came out, the movie The Passion of the yeah, Christ. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, seeing a poster for the Passion that said something like it, it had you know the picture of the cross, and then the tagline was his reason for living was die, was to die or something like that. And I remember thinking that. That didn't. That just sounded wrong, and I couldn't articulate why. Mm-hmm. And if his reason for living was just to die, he could have died when he was an infant. He could have died when they wanted to throw him off the cliff later on, right? Yeah. Jesus is clearly trying to uh, preserve his life for a time. He's going to let it all hang out eventually. Yes. But right now, he actually has to conceal it. He rebuked them. He told them not to tell anybody because if they knew this identity, it was so potent that... It was going to save many, but a lot of people were going to reject it, and he would have been crucified immediately, which was going to happen, but he had a certain amount of things he needed to do first. Yes. He had to set up his kingdom, namely. And 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 that kingdom is built of what? <laughs> <laughs> living stones. Yes, living stones, obviously. The king- I, I thought, I yes, the temple, the temple, the kingdom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, no, us. It, it's, it's built out of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but this is the temple is his body. It is yeah. him, and so it's this it's this thing where we we like 
land into this profound understanding of who we really are. And and we actually have to meditate on the fact that our identity is caught up with Christ. Yes. And that if we think that we're outside of that, yeah. if then we lose power. Yeah, absolutely. We, we lose our identity. Absolutely. And then, and then we put our identity into anything and everything outside of that. And that's why it's, it's, it says, if anyone comes after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Mm. You will, if you lose my life, that, that you're actually, you died in Christ, this fountain that Zachariah was talking about, you've been washed of sin and uncleanness, yeah. that if you forsake the pattern of, of who Christ is, you're going to lose yourself. Yeah. And, but if you take it up. Then you will lose yourself. Then you will lose yourself. And, much differently. And you will find, uh, I mean, yes. it, it's it's just, it is heavy. Like I was, pr- I've been praying about this incredible. and I'm like, my heart is like so on fire by the fact that that's like, incredible. like, dude, cause I asked the question, like, why do all the disciples run around, go healing people and stuff? And like, why can't I go around healing people? Right. It's because I, I, I miss something and that's that my identity is caught up into Christ. And that if I look at the father and I don't think the father is my father. If I think that he is something that is far and distance, if I looked yeah. at Jesus, and I, even if I think that Jesus is distant, yeah, then I'm missing the fact of who I am. My friend, my friend Absolutely. Carrie is actually she she is doing a painting right now, and it's it's half like it's like it's like a quarter of an icon, so you don't see the face. There's no name, and they're holding a palm branch, and then it, and it says Christian, remember who you are. Wow, that and, which is a quote from JP two. Oh, John Paul II said that. Isn't that a, that's one of my favorite quotes by him. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe he's a Christian, be who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. And, and it's, but it's, it's amazing. And treat others mm-hmm. as who they're supposed to be. Yeah. So don't use the personality test on them. <laughs> <laughs> That's the moral of the story. Yeah, don't put them in a box, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I mean, this is the jigsaw puzzle. I mean, this is the prophets are talking about there's going to be this new temple. There's going to be a new Davidic king. There's going to be this person pierced. There's going to be this one we mourn for. There's going to be this descendant. What is the, it's all the same thing. Yeah. Jesus is the temple who is the king, who is the one who was pierced, who, who is, is the people. descendant. Yeah. And we actually are part of that. So we are that. I mean, oh. the the thing that jumped to my mind when I, I read about the uh, fountain, where is it? Yeah. The fountain to purify from sin and clean. I mean, what happens when the one is pierced? The blood, blood and, and water, water flow out of his side. What was happening? I <laughs> did. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. What was, I mean, well, there's so much we could say. In the temple, right? There was a fountain. There was actually a stream that flowed out of the altar of the temple. I mean, all of these things are like, ah, this is Jesus. And it's us. I mean, that's the beautiful part of this. We are part of the body of Christ. Yes. We are the descendant. It, it, it's like That's I, incredible. I wanted to keep talking about it because it's such a mystery and it's so beautiful to yeah. penetrate it is just the best. So friends, take the time. Yeah. Take this, take these scriptures to, to prayer and go and pray in Jesus. Yes. Don't pray with Jesus. Pray in Jesus to the Father. Hmm. That's a really, this is what Paul, Paul uses the word in Christ more than any other way it refers to Christ. Yeah. We are in Christ. We're not with him. We're not near him. We're in him. Yeah. That's cool. Well, friends, send us your shout outs. Pray for Camp Waitioa. Pray for St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, pray that the, the Lord would send um, uh, laborers for the harvest because the harvest is abundant and the laborers are feud and the feud. The labor, the laborers, <laughs> they, are, they are playing a feud. And um, <laughs> so we love you. And send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. Visit us on Facebook. And uh, we will see you next week. Peace. Bye.
The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.